Hi, I'm Melissa Ridley Elms, and I won the 2019 Open Contract Challenge from World of Myth, Jason on Dark Myth Publications. And my book, <laughs> Arthurian Things, a Collection of Poems, was published in January 2020. And so far it has received some very nice reviews, and a couple of the members of the Science Fiction Poetry Association are considering it for a nomination for an Elgin Award. So, if you're wondering, is this a real contest? It is a real contest. And if you're wondering, um, do I, should I submit? I don't know. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. Well, do you want to be a published writer? Take a chance. The worst thing that can happen is you don't win. And the best thing that can happen is you do win and you publish your book. Go for it. My name is Walter G. Esselman, and I'm the winner of the 2020 Open Contract Challenge. It's real. My book, Super Horror Max, I took it to a convention this weekend and was selling it. So check it out. Dreams can come true. Hi, my name is Peggy Gerber and I'm the 2021 Open Contract Challenge Grand Prize winner. Because of this competition, I can now proudly call myself the author of the published book, Stumbling in Crazy Town. To learn more about this amazing opportunity, go to www.opencontractchallenge.com and make all your publishing dreams come true. All her life, Joan placed herself into the hands of men who failed her. Joan does the unthinkable for a woman in 1960, leaving her small town of Gainesfield. As an accomplished musician, Joan served her country in the first ever women's Air Force band, San Antonio, Texas. She unwittingly becomes part of a brainwashing experiment. After her Air Force service, returning to society is particularly hard for Joan so much so that she has spent a good deal of her life in a mental institution. As a patient in a VA hospital, Joan is found murdered. Small-town secrets, whispers behind closed doors, stolen records, serve to solve the mystery of what the hell happened to Joan? This book is a work of fiction, but very well could have happened. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Myth Bits. You made an excellent choice. Welcome to the World of Myth Bits. I am your host, Jenna Sparks, and this is episode 170. So again, welcome to the world of myth bits. Tis I, your wonderful host. <laughs> uh, so we have a pretty packed episode, but before we jump into those trenches, let's go ahead and go over some housekeeping. 
And first and foremost, Dark Myth Publications sent out their last batch of publishing contracts for the 2022 year. If you are expecting a contract, check your emails, please. Also, due to a personal issue that Dave is dealing with, a few of last week's meetings were canceled, including the board of directors meeting. But once things are copacetic, the meetings shall be resumed and your regular programming will uh, be back. So, uh, Next up, Dark Myth Comics is still seeking the right colorist. Please note, just because a person can lay down colors with Photoshop does not mean that a person is what that that person is what we are looking for. So do better. No. <laughs> Point is looking for a colorist. Uh, also, a major congratulations to Walter G. Esselman as he has signed with New Wave Comics to produce a comic book version of Liberty's Run, which will be a mini-series, and art will be produced by John Costas. And I am very honored to announce that the fourth annual Open Contract Challenge has officially begun. Uh, go to www.opencontractchallenge.com and click on submissions. There is where you will enter your pitch. And I keep saying it and I've kept saying it and I will continue saying it. Do it. Like, try it. Uh, if you're feeling questionable, if you should even bother submitting, just try it. What have you got to lose? You know, it's a really awesome, awesome competition and a really, really, really awesome way to get a contract uh so totally totally check that out please and hopefully if you are still feeling discouraged uh and if you listen to last week's podcast which was not all that encouraging uh and I still have five more <laughs> to go on our list because last week I visited the subject of uh, a top 10 list regarding the lies that you're told as a creative. Uh, as I mentioned throughout the whole episode, these are my exp these are experiences that I've dealt with that I know most creatives deal with in some semblance. And it's really important to me to kind of share these things and I really hope <laughs> that they're helpful, um, and I hope that at the end of the day they are encouraging, and uh, even though it may not seem like I'm being encouraging or anything like that, uh, I'm just putting down some realities to re recalibrate and justify any kind of mixed emotions you might be having or anybody might be having, you know? Uh, so there's my little ramble on the whys and the whats. So let's do a quick uh, revisiting of what I addressed last week very, very quickly. So the first on the list was that you're gifted. And in that, I went into uh, the entire concept of basically uh, people who, who come up with excuses to basically ignore the hard work that you put into something. And that's the summarization of a very long-winded entry. Uh, number two, anyone can do it. Not everybody can do it. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with talent or skill or ability. Uh, it has to do with your mental state. And 
what you emotionally and psychologically are able and capable and willing to put into it. Number three was, if you work hard, you can achieve anything. (laughs) And that entry, uh, we talked about the fact that your hard work will not always amount to anything. It sounds like I'm really, really down in the dumps, but I'm not, I swear. (laughs) Uh, Number four was, only the rich can be artists. And this was kind of challenging the idea that there is always a place to start and begin if you are not capable to put finances forward in your creative endeavors. And number five, social media is the best way to gain visibility. Uh, A gigantic, horrid lie, which I have so much more to say on that for next week. (laughs) All right. Uh, So we are going to jump back into it because, again, I have uh, six through ten, and I'm really excited about this portion. It's a little bit shorter, but it is a lot, (laughs) okay? It is a lot to say and cover. So let's jump back into it. And at number six in our list regarding the top ten lies you're told as a creative is you have to have a degree to have any success. Now, higher education is absolutely wonderful. And of course, it is absolutely required for certain fields. I am absolutely not about to go into surgery with a surgeon who's following a YouTube tutorial. And access to higher education wherein the costs of your passions are included as a part of your tuition. It is a great way to start and further uh, broaden your accessibility. But on the level of education alone, to become an artist or even a writer, while college is beneficial, it really only holds a certain amount of weight in terms of how far you wish to go in your career. There's something about both the romanticism and the absolute societal rebuff regarding arts or literature degrees. Uh, In one aspect, it's easy to understand just how many doors open when you have that beautiful, you know, $50,000 to $300,000 piece of paper, depending on what your goal is. But You know, for a very long time, we've seen (laughs) jokes about the legitimate usefulness of those sorts of degrees. Uh, Hindsight also becomes quite clear when you realize career paths that maybe you should or could have looked into but didn't even, like, know that it was an option. Uh, Having been apprenticing as a framer myself, like, are you kidding me? I would love to have gotten a fine arts degree uh, and worked at a place like the Getty Museum, the Getty Art Museum uh, in their framing department. But the point is, uh, sometimes higher education isn't always on the table, whether it uh, be the cost, time, or even accessibility to that school, to a school in general. 
So we resort to self-education. This can come in the form of trying and 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 trying again and again and again and again. Uh, those wonderful tutorials, talking with others in the fields you're passionate about, uh, books, even secondhand textbooks from thrift shops. Those are amazing. And when you come across them, snatch them up. Uh, I mean, obviously, don't go for, like, the newer ones that students may actually need. Uh, <laughs> like, the older ones, uh, there's still valuable information. Um, and there, there, there's a plethora of ways to teach yourself about the arts. Writing, sculpting, music, music theory, cooking, photography, and the list goes on and on and on. But self-taught doesn't always open the door. An impressive CV or, or resume, it can be filled with phenomenal, you know, bewildering achievements. But no BA or master's, it, it might send that CV to the garbage can, unfortunately. Uh, but it doesn't always mean the end of the road. There are resources galore online to help fund artists, writers, or creators. We can look back to social media, to YouTube, creating your own tutorials, opening your own, like, webzine. Uh, the battle may be a little harder and the terrain more, more treacherous, let's be honest. But don't think your work is any less valuable just because you didn't go to school to learn it. Uh, while a lot of people won't always appreciate the self-taught methods. Plenty of people will. Doors will open in ways and places that may just surprise you. And this leads back to the idea of life leading you. You know, say you partake in a group art show at a local museum like I did last weekend. Uh, not only are you surrounded with other artists, but who knows who will see your work? You know, exposure is hardly a payment method, but who knows? Who knows what relationships will form just by that small opportunity? And the list is ongoing. There are so many little, little bouts that could introduce you to new opportunities, new endeavors, and, and there's always people to meet, you know? Uh, so never shut the door on yourself just because you feel... Uh, inadequate in the sense that you never received or went to or finished uh, any kind of uh, program, you know, specifically for the arts. Like I said, they're important. And there are, you know, free courses. There are plenty of of educational uh, tools that we, we can utilize without necessarily enrolling in a four-year uh, university. But still, sometimes that's not always the route people want to go. Um, there's just, there's a lot to be said about how you can go about educating yourself, you know, so don't, don't jump into the immediate reaction of I'm never going to go anywhere because I didn't go to school because I get that, that brain, that mindset every once in a while, you know, and it sucks. It hurts, but it is what it is. So... Let's jump into my next favorite topic, uh, and it's a big one. It's probably going to take a lot of this episode to go over, um, because unfortunately, this is one that I have heard. This is one that I do get challenged on, 
And I, again, came with facts. So let's go into it. There's no gender inequality in creative industries. This one is an interesting conversation point because nine times out of ten, when a woman expresses that she's experienced gender genuine gender-based disparity, it's often it's disbelieved or disregarded. Parts of that, it, it's because it's so practiced and so normalized. Women often find themselves, honestly, we gaslight ourselves. Uh, because we we have to convince ourselves that we're just overthinking it or taking it out of proportion. And of those nine times out of ten, it's not. It's That's not the case. So, from the National Museum of Women in the Arts, they share a startling and depressing uh, study and uh, fact. <laughs> so from the Global Art Market Report from 2019, of the 3,050 galleries in the Artsy database, 10% represent not a single woman artist, while only 8% represent more <laughs> while only 8% represent more women than men. Only half represent 25% or fewer women. From Artnet News, and in other words, just 11% of all acquisitions and 14% of exhibitions at 26 prominent American museums over the past decade were of work by female artists. According to a joint investigation by Artnet News, and in other words, a total of 260,470 works of art have entered the museum's permanent collections since 2008. Only 29,247 were by women. From a study by Fabian Bocart, Marina Gertzberg, and Rachel Ponal, only 13.7% of living artists represented by galleries in Europe and North America are women. From an interview with economists Sally Herships and Cardiff Garcia with podcast The Indicator from Planet Money share that a finance teacher from Oxford, Renee Adams, did an experiment. This experiment put pieces of art, pieces of art done by men and women in front of viewers and asked them to guess whether the artist was a man or a woman. The average response was that they honestly couldn't tell. But alarmingly... <laughs> Art by women is valued significantly less than art by a man, a whopping 40% less. The most expensive piece sold by a woman artist at auction was Georgia O'Keeffe's Jimson Weed slash White Flower, number one. It sold in 2014 for $44.4 million. It's a good chunk of change. More than $400 million less than the auction record for a male artist, Leonardo da Vinci's Salvatore Mundi, which sold in 2017 for $450.3 million. Okay, so that's da Vinci, though you may be saying. Uh, the record for the most expensive work by a living woman artist at auction was set 
by Jenny Seville, whose painting Propped, 1992, sold for $12.4 million in 2018. This sum is still dwarfed by the record for a living male artist, a Jeff Koons work that sold for $91.1 million in 2019. At the same sale where Seville made history, less than 10% of the rest of the works for sale were by women artists. The world of fine arts is blatantly gender biased. These statistics only account for a very small handful of the studies done that further explore the gender bias, including regarding education in the fine arts. So let's go ahead and jump into the world of animation, where things get even more grim. In 2017, in the wake of Harvey Weinstein, the Harvey Weinstein scandal, women and gender nonconforming people stepped forward there with their own letter of awareness within the animation industry. And I'm just going to read the letter verbatim, okay? Because it is important and their voices need to be heard to this day and continually. An open letter to the animation community. We, the women and gender nonconforming people of the animation community, would like to address and highlight the pervasive problem of sexism and sexual harassment in our business. We write this letter with the hope that change is possible and ask that you listen to our stories and then make every effort to bring a real and lasting change to the culture of animation studios. In the wake of the Harvey Weinstein scandal, many of the women who work in animation have begun discussing more openly issues that we have dealt with quietly throughout our careers. As we came together to share stories of sexism, sexual harassment, and in some cases, sexual assault, we were struck by the pervasiveness of the problem. Every one of us has a story to share, from tossed-off comments about our body parts that were framed as jokes, to women being cornered in dark rooms by male colleagues to criminal assault. Our business has always been male-dominated. Women make up only 23% of union employees, so it's no surprise that problems with sexism and sexual harassment exist. Sexual harassment and assault are widespread issues that primarily affect women, with women of color, members of the LGBTQ community, and other marginalized groups affected at an even greater rate. As more women have entered the animation workforce, It seems that some men have not embraced this change. They still frequently make crass sexual remarks that make it clear women are not welcome on their crews. Some here have pressed colleagues for romantic or sexual relationships despite our clear disinterest. And some have seen the entrance of more women into the industry as an opportunity to exploit and victimize younger workers on their crews who are looking for mentorship. In addition, when sexual predators are caught at one workplace, they seem to easily find a job at another studio sometimes even following their victims from job to job. We are tired of relying on whisper networks to know who isn't safe to meet with alone. We want our supervisors to protect us from harassment and assault. This abuse has got to stop. The signatories of this letter demand that you take sexual harassment seriously. We ask that, one, Every studio puts in place clear and enforceable sexual harassment policies and takes every report seriously. It must be clear to studio leadership, including producers, that no matter who the abuser is, they must investigate every report or face consequences themselves. Two, the Animation Guild add language in our constitution that states it can 
it can censure, fine, suspend, or expel any member of the guild who shall, in the opinion of the executive board, be found guilty of any act, omission, or conduct which is pre- prejudicial to the welfare of the guild. To craft and support the new language, we ask that an anti-harassment and discrimination committee be created to help educate and prevent further occurrences. Number three, our male colleagues start speaking up and standing up for us. When their coworkers make sexist remarks or when they see sexual harassment happening, we expect them to, to say something. Stop making excuses for bad behavior in your friends and coworkers and tell them that what they are doing is wrong. It has not been easy for us to share our stories with each other. Many of us were afraid because our victimizers are powerful or well-liked. Others were worried that if they came forward, it would affect their careers. Some of us have come forward in the past only to have our concerns brushed aside or for our supervisors to tell us he's just from a different era. All of us are saddened and disheartened to, show, to hear how widespread the problem of sexual harassment still is in the animation industry and how many of our friends have been suffering the secret, in secret. It is with this in mind that we are resolved to do everything we can to prevent anyone else from being victimized. We are united in our mission to wipe out sexual harassment in the animation industry and we will no longer be silent. So, sit on that for a minute. And if your first instinct is to either repel or deny, guess what? Uh, <laughs> so jumping into another facet of a creative industry that I really hate revisiting because it was so, so brutal and I watched it as it was happening and it was genuinely one of the hardest things to witness uh gamergate so while we're here gamergate was an online harassment campaign initially conducted through the use of the hashtag hashtag gamergate that promoted sexism and anti-progressivism in video game culture Beginning in August of 2014, the campaign targeted women in the video game industry, notably game developers Zoe Quinn and Brianna Wu, and feminist media, media critic uh, Anna, Anita Sikirjian. Cannot talk today. <laughs> the harassment campaign included doxing, threats of rape, and threats of death. And that's absolutely in a nutshell, you guys. It's filthy and disgusting and honestly probably one of the most disturbing uh examples of <laughs> the human race in the the 21st century it's horrible uh what these people went through was brutal and as horrific as it goes in terms of online propaganda against women and gender non-conforming people the video game industry is just as notably gender biased as all other industries and it's a sickening disturbing rabbit hole to go down and in literary circles it's just as bad and do we need to get into how women are portrayed in all of these varying media an analysis from the university of copenhagen copenhagen and U.S. institutions discovered of 3.5 million English-language books published between 1900 and 2008, 
found that women are twice as likely as men to be described by their physical attributes. Beauty and sexy being the top two adjectives used for women. The most commonly used words for men? Righteous, rational, and brave. Obviously not about their physical appearance. Uh, So it's all there, and it's all laid out, available, you know, for your understanding. And the more that you do understand, the less likely you'll be to challenge people about uh, the obvious disparity they're experiencing as marginalized groups in creative industries. You know, people are begging to be heard, begging to be listened to. And it is so hard because, like I said, when most of the time you're you are gaslighting yourself thinking I'm 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 imagining this right like it's it's not this bad and then you start hearing other people's experiences and you start hearing you're like wait a minute oh oh no so pay attention hear what people are trying to say okay and yes it is not just women or gender non-conforming people who experience sexual harassment We're not talking about that. That is a very important discussion. Uh, But we are talking specifically about the overall inequality regarding women and gender nonconforming people and marginalized people overall. So let's move on to number eight because I told you that was going to take up a, a good chunk of time. People care about things that are overdone. Everyone always talks about new and unique ideas, (laughs) things we've never seen or heard before. And that's great if it can be achieved and accomplished in about six million years since civilization has begun to form, began to form, since civilization began to form. Goodness gracious. But the reality is there is hardly such a thing as a truly original idea. I'm not talking about reboots and whatnot, but rather general concepts within the media that share extreme similarities with each other with other media. Even art stems from somewhere. All it takes is one scroll through the artists of Instagram hashtag to find hundreds of similar ideas. With stories, it's very much the same. All we really have are things reimagined. From modernized fairy tales, to grisly mysteries, to songs about romance or breakups, to video games fighting demons, The Witcher is essentially an assortment of said retold fairy tales set to, I imagine, the soundtrack of heavy metal. The the books, not the show. Uh, It's all about delivery. That's all people really care about. If you can deliver the same trope in an interesting way with excellent skills and aptitude, it's still going to be appreciated and even loved or adored. I used to hate the idea of being compared to other artists until I recently took the time to figure out and understand why. I assumed it was an automatic entry into a made-up competition I had no interest in being a part of, uh, which I go into next week. Uh, (laughs) But then I realized that it was simply my perspective about how I really understood those connections. If I've if I'm influenced by so many amazing creatives, why should I take offense to it? If someone looks at one of my pieces and tells me it reminds them of 
a dreary day, they remember, where they put on warm socks and sipped hot coffee, all snuggled up and feeling good and warm and comfortable, then why would I feel any different if that same piece invoked another feeling of joy from something they recall, like another person's work or a movie or a song or whatever? Uh, it obviously means something to them, and that should bring me some peace and joy. Right? All right, let's jump into number nine. Your work has to be deep and insightful. I talk about this one a lot. Uh, <laughs> because it is something I'm, I'm very, very passionate about, uh, very ferocious regarding this topic. And again, my opinion may change. It has evolved. But as I stand right now, uh, you know, the, this entry is, it's just, it's brutally important because I think we all need to be regularly humbled, <laughs> When we look at works by, say, Bansky or read the words of Charles Bukowski, uh, we tend to get lost in thought. You know, we understand there's some intense insight uh, to these great works. You know, Mona Lisa has been studied <sighs> vigorously since her regained popularity in 1911 after being stolen. Uh, we obsess, obsess. <laughs> over the styles of Dolly and Kahlo and Pollock and uh, what, their, what their works mean as a whole for our society. We seek to relate to these pieces in, in deep, visceral ways. We hope in so many ways that they will speak for us. The same way hearing a song can evoke or invoke uh, either or, emotions where they're finally put into perspective in a way to be truly understood. Our entanglement in other mediums like animation, such as Studio Ghibli, uh, it serves as a major inspiration for plenty of storytellers. And those are beautiful factors in art that we oftentimes forget the impact of such pieces, assuming they're just always there having always existed, and that's that. But what I think we also forget is that they all started somewhere. Whether a piece was inspired by another piece, or a song, or a knot in a tree, or a freaking pattern on fabric, whatever, we don't always remember that inspiration is as subjective as art itself. You don't have to look at a blade of grass and philosophize <laughs> the nature of it. You know, it could simply be because the shade of green, as it changes season or dehydrates, it just makes you feel inquisitive or inspired. You just like the color that it is, you know? It could be a single word that feels good to say in your mouth what we derive as deep or emotional attachments, again, is so subjective that we tend to immediately discard writers or artists who are inspired by something perhaps considered more trite or less emotionally explorative. If we were all ingrained with the knowledge of what all the great works of art mean, why do we even bother with higher education focused on those specific fields and topics? You know? 
I think we creatives put so much effort into trying to create something that means something, that engages the mind beyond the spectacles of interest. But one way of conveying work is not the same as how another conveys their work. I think by eliminating that fear of creating something that doesn't evoke major thought and inquisitiveness prevents so many budding creatives from moving forward and to keep creating. Not everything is speculative. Sometimes things are just appealing for the sake of being appealing. And that's okay. All right. And now, number 10, my favorite. With this 10-week course, you too can learn blank. I loathe this practice. (laughs) Tutorials are wonderful. Accessible courses are also wonderful. Masterclasses are wonderful. But preying upon people by charging for money to learn how to make money is just... No. You know, a hard no. Nope, 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 nope. Chances that what they are selling is just recycled information you can find elsewhere. Uh, It's higher than actually being a hub of priceless information. So just know... Please don't fall for it. Don't succumb to it. Uh, No. (laughs) Don't subscribe to it. Uh, More than likely, it's it's not the truth. (sighs) So that is the, the remaining five from my list. And again, I really wanted to delve into topics that I find very important, you know, overall. Things that... I struggle with or think about frequently, you know, there's a lot of things that I I do plan on covering and things that, you know, I've already talked about plenty and hopefully not to the point where it's exhausting to hear me because I, I really hope to hammer these ideas into people's thoughts that, you know, we are, I mean, there are plenty, there are so many factors that, uh, limit us and so many people. You know, as I've discussed, there's, you know, resources, finances, accessibility, inequality. You know, there there are so many things that I don't think it's fair for us, you know, when we're already dealing with those those things, those things that may be standing in our way or maybe make us feel as if we can't uh, stride forward or are genuinely legitimate reasons uh, for us not to be able to pursue our goals or dreams or anything in a creative field, uh, our brains, our minds, our thoughts, uh, our mental health, our mental illnesses, our everything, we we have to regularly strive to challenge that when we can, where we can, because otherwise, if if we are partaking in creating those limitations, uh, it's it's doing nobody any favors, you know. And next week I have another list, and it is the the truths about being a uh, a cre a creative person. Um, and I'm very excited about it. You know, I think that there is a lot in that scope. Also, that you know, even I can challenge what I I said in the past two weeks regarding. 
these ideas. And I'm trying not to oversimplify because not everything is vapid. Not everything is is easy to do. You know, it's not simply wake up and do it. You know, like I said last week, Kim Kardashian can tell you to get off your butt and work. But realistically, Kim Kardashian does not live like most people, you know, who are having to find ways to balance uh, survival and potentially pursuing uh, dreams or goals. You know, we are already pushing ourselves in ways that are ridiculous, <laughs> you know. Um, we, we are killing ourselves for this chance, this, this chance, because that's what it is. It is a chance. It's not a guarantee. It is not a, you know, bootstrap ideology anymore. We are not in that era. Um, we have a chance to quote-unquote succeed. And when I say succeed, depends on what your your definition of success is. For me, it is security. I think that's most people. We want security, whether it's financial, whether it's having, you know, a, a constant roof over your head, having, you know, knowing where you're getting your next meal, being able just to pay your bills. We all crave that, right? You know, and, and we hope that by doing the things that we love, that will afford us that, But there are so many larger aspects to it than just get off your butt and work. You know, uh, I wish it were that easy. (laughs) So that's why when I I kind of try to try to uh, come forward with these with these concepts about challenging your mindset, uh, you know, I am taking into consideration and I hope everybody else is taking into consideration that these these ideas are not applicable to every person. You know, of course, everybody's experiences are completely different where everybody is in their lives is completely different. But again, I will continuously say, you know, your your work is valid. Your efforts are valid. Your craft is valid. And if you wish to pursue it, you do have to find a way to do it. You know what I mean? Whether it's pursuing it as a career, whether it's pursuing it just for fun, whether it's pursuing it, you know, whatever the case, there are ways. uh, And I will explore that more again next week because I have a lot to say in that list as well. So I hope that you have enjoyed... (laughs) my top 10 list and hopefully it's not too discouraging and hopefully you are quite eager to (laughs) hear what I have to follow up and excuse my dumb dogs for barking in the background if you can hear them all right guys it is time for me to say goodbye because that was a lot that was a lot to to say and almost I I didn't break or pause for any of that so you can find us at www.theworldofmyth.com on Facebook and the Twitter at the world of myth bits podcast in the world of myth magazine and on Instagram at the world of myth bits In addition to next week's episode regarding uh, the truths, 
of being a creative the week following I believe is when I shall come come forward with the review of the next issue of the World of Myth magazine and I'm very excited very stoked uh Dave allowed me the opportunity to go on a gigantic I mean almost 5000 word uh <laughs> um essay essay really an essay just me (laughs) my podcast form of my review of Dexter New Blood and uh let's see let's see how it goes uh yeah because uh spoiler alert I really liked the ending okay guys (laughs) find us on all the socials and on the website don't forget to enter the open contract challenge um yep I will talk to you next week. So until next time.